on episode 491 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we discuss how to come back from injury or illness over 40. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 491. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. I was chatting with someone the other day who's been a longtime listener of the podcast, and I asked her one simple question. Are you meeting your health and fitness goals? And her answer was kind of surprising. She said, no. And I said, why do you think that is? And she said, I don't know. I've been listening to your podcast for years. I've been listening to many health and fitness podcasts for years. I've been reading articles. I've been looking at stuff. She said, I have all this information, but it's just not working. That's why I developed the 12-week gas program. This program goes beyond the information because we all have information. We have unlimited information. But what we don't always have is the guidance, accountability, and support that we need to take action on that information. If you're ready to take action, I encourage you to go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash gas. It's a short application form. I have five slots open in my 12-week gas program. This program will give you the guidance, accountability, and support to make sure that you're meeting your health and fitness goals. Lose weight. Get strong and fit. Be the person you deserve to be. Be a better you tomorrow. Go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash gas. Hey, Raz, how you doing? Good. How are you today, Alan? I'm doing better. I'm doing better. Um, COVID's Good. over, uh, at least as far as symptoms for me are. I can actually taste things again. Yay. I'm not sure about my smell being all the way back. It's really hard to tell because I... I didn't have a very good sense of smell to begin with, um, mm-hmm. which has its benefits um, when you're dealing with stuff that you don't like or doesn't smell good, but it also has its, its deterrence because if you can't smell something smells bad, then you don't know it smells bad and mm-hmm. that can put you in a bad, smell, bad place that sometimes too. Um, so I'm not the one. If you smell something bad, you can say, do you smell that? My answer is probably <laughs> going to be no. And especially after COVID, like I said, I don't know that I've fully recovered, but there wasn't that much to recover in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I'm glad you could taste food again. I can't imagine how weird that would be not to taste. <laughs> it was weird. And, and, you know, the, the thing that a lot of folks wouldn't recognize or wouldn't know is that a big part of overeating is that people don't have the reward system for taste and therefore they're actually not tasting their food as much. Oh. And that's why we have a tendency to overeat. You know, the mindless sitting there oh. eating a bag of chips while you're watching a movie, you don't taste those chips. You tasted the first bite and then you got mm-hmm. into the movie and the crunch, 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 empty bag. And you didn't, you didn't actually taste that, that food. You didn't, your body just got the endorphins. It got the dopamine hit and that mm-hmm. just sort of happened. And so when you're, you're not tasting food, you actually, it's hard to not overeat because you tend to just end up eating more of it. Um, it doesn't signal your body that you're full. It doesn't tell you that you're eating foods and getting the right mix of foods. So the signaling is just 
it's just haywire. So hmm. uh, it's really easy to overeat when you're not, um, when you can't taste food. I know that sounds counterintuitive. It does sound weird. <laughs> yeah. It's strange. If I couldn't taste anything, I don't know that I would waste time sitting at my table eating food. I, I ate more than I would normally have eaten because I couldn't taste it. And I just oh. kept eating thinking, okay, um, I need to eat. And, but I, you know, realized after, after I was done, I was like, you know, normally I would take that cut of steak and that would be two steaks. And I ate the whole steak and mm -hmm. like, you know, still try to eat good stuff, but, good. Uh, you know, in a general sense, uh, when, I, when I'm not feeling well, I kind of let myself do those other things, you know, the, that I wouldn't normally do because it's like, okay, just, just chill. You know, I can't yeah. get people to go buy the high quality foods that I want to buy. Like I need you to go here to that store and buy that for me and go to that mm -hmm. store and, and only buy this <laughs> if it says this on the label and, you know, I, I couldn't do yeah. that to folks. So I was like, yeah, just buy me, just buy me some potatoes and some chicken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and we'll, that's probably it, good enough. Yeah. And we'll run with it. <laughs> oh my goodness. How crazy. Yeah. The worst part of it was one of our neighbors, um, dear friend, she, she brought us some pasta with lobster. Oh, and, and I couldn't taste it. <laughs> oh no. Oh, how disappointing. <laughs> I'm oh. like, this looks like it would taste delicious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, now you'll have to try it again once now that you're feeling better and can taste a little more. Yeah, I'll have to call her and say, hey, thank you. Can I have some more? Right. <laughs> <laughs> see how that goes. Absolutely. <laughs> well, how are things up there? Good. Really good. You know, funny thing happened up here the other day. We lost power for no good reason whatsoever. It was a beautiful morning but uh, we lost power. And so I just went about my day cleaning. I knew the power would be back on in a few hours. But the funny part was every time I entered a room, I turned on the light switch because it's such a habit. And I knew the power was out. I knew what I was doing because the power was out. But every time I entered a room, I kept turning on the light switch. And it got me thinking about habits. And I do have a lot. I drink coffee every morning. That's my morning habit. And I do like to run and I do prefer running in the morning, but um, I'm being kind of forced out of that habit right now because my 50 miler that's coming up um, starts at noon. So I've had to adjust that habit to run later in the day. And it's it's been a challenging um, adjustment for me. And I'm actually looking forward to getting this race over so I can go back to running in the mornings again. <laughs> I yeah. am really a creature of habit. We, well, we all are. We just, like you said, we don't necessarily recognize it until something brings it to our attention, you know, like, mm -hmm. like the light switch thing. Yeah. A lot of us are that way. Even during the daytime, we're going to walk into a room, we're going to hit the light switch. Right. It's, it's, it's a trigger thing of when you walk in the room, you're going through the door, uh, you're going to do something. And it's a, you know, kind of when you start to understand those triggers and then your immediate action, you know, mm -hmm. that's when you can actually start making some decisions, you know, mm -hmm. can I change this habit? You know, do we need the light on every time I walk in the room? And the answer at least half the time is probably no. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, cause half the time this is daylight and half the time mm -hmm. is dark. Uh, so half the time you don't necessarily need that light on, but this is not, that's not a habit that from a health perspective, you know, is damaging, but a lot of us do have those triggers 
for yeah. the bad habits, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so being aware of that, that self-awareness is really, really important. So uh, it's good to mix up your schedule. It's good to yeah. kind of have a little bit of that. Uh, it, it's a learning opportunity. Uh, when you said strange thing, the power went out, I'm like, what was it Tuesday? Cause that happens every day here. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Not every oh, day. No, that's, that's, that's a little oversell, but uh, no, the power goes out regularly here. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes we know it's going to happen because they'll say, well, you know, they want to clean the, the growth around some of the wires, you know, and we're right. like, well, can't they just turn off that part of the road? No, they got to turn off the whole island. Oh, okay. I guess mm -hmm. you could turn off all, but we, you know, like we can't get water in our house unless our pump's running. Yep. And so we don't have water. So when the power goes out, we don't have running water. We don't have power, yep. air conditioning, um, yeah. all that, you know, I've, I've been, I've set it up now. My wife, we have uninterruptible power supplies here. You know, you almost, oh, I almost good. have to. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I've got the Wi-Fi router, uh, and the actual router, all of that set up now on our UPS. So if the power goes out, we'll have power for at least an hour or so Good. to continue to do what we're doing. So if we were, you know, Snapchatting channel, it's probably like doing this zoom call, mm -hmm. um, you know, it would all stay on everything around me would go dark, but then, you know, we, we could still, we could still keep going and then you know, finish out what you're doing and then say, okay, I guess I'll go read a book uh, outside <laughs> in the daylight. Right? Um, you know, but you know, it happens. So you be asleep mm -hmm. and the power goes out and it's like, Oh, and so, you know, most I know it because the air conditioning goes off, but if I <laughs> leave my phone playing the sounds of the fan, mm -hmm. I'm not going to wake up, you know, because nice. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to, it's going to wear my battery down and I'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning with no sound. And I'll realize that the battery on my phone died too. And so I don't want that to happen. So you know, when the power goes out, I, I need to wake up, turn my phone off, try to sleep in the very dark room with uh, mm -hmm. no sound, which is odd for me. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's different. And that's what I'm saying. Sometimes just doing something that's a little out of the norm mm -hmm. teaches you the habits. You know, for me, the habit is turn off the light, go to bed, turn on the fan noise on my phone, go to sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, almost like that. I mean, and, and almost wow. that fast. Um, Good. And it's just because a habit I have a sleep routine mm -hmm. and doing that sleep routine just kind of puts me into the next step of the habit, mm -hmm. fall asleep. Perfect. You know, That's so some habit. of them can be good habits and some Absolutely. of them can be bad habits and some of them are just wasting a little electricity, not a lot, just a little, <laughs> uh, yeah. but you know, it's just kind of one of those things that we, we learn, we learn more about ourselves doing something different than we do doing yeah. what we always do. Yep. That is right. All right. Well, you ready to get into today's talk? Yes. Cool. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about coming back from injury or illness over 40. As you may have heard, I was diagnosed with COVID a little over a month and a week ago. And uh, not, not a cool thing, not a cool thing at all. Uh, but they put me in an ambulance, drove me home and said, sit your butt in this house for two weeks. Uh, they did give me some food and we had some friends that could shop for us. Uh, so we were okay, but it, it did kind of mess with my plans. Um, I had the basic symptoms, fatigue, uh, cold and flu stuff, uh, loss of taste and smell, and the, this really weird phantom smell thing, which I won't go into, but just recognize that it, it set me back. And it's fairly common uh, for this to be happening on a, on a regular basis for anyone over the age of 40. 
uh, it's inevitable, I guess would be the better word, for us to have some form of injury or some illness over the course of our adult lives. And so um, how we deal with this, particularly when we're over 40, is really, really important, okay? So I'm diagnosed with COVID. I can't go anywhere, definitely can't go to the gym. Uh, and while I'm on that topic, uh, it's, an, it's, a, it's a regular thing people will be asking, typically during the cold and flu season, so maybe less now this time of year because we're really more kind of into the allergy season. But during the cold and flu season, the question would be, should I go to the gym if I'm sick? Okay, and I'll just go ahead and put this out there as a general rule. If you can avoid going to the gym sick, please do. The rest of us don't want to get sick. Um, you know, if you have COVID, absolutely do not go to the gym. Um, you know, but other than that, if you have symptoms above the neck, you're you're more than safe to go out and do some work. I prefer you do it outside, do it away from people, do it at home. Uh, if it's in the chest or low, you know, below the neck, you don't really need to be doing anything. And if there's a fever involved. Uh, definitely not a time for you to be exercising. This is a time for you to be focused on recovery. And we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes. But in a general sense, if you're sick, this might be a good time for you to go ahead and take some time off and recover and get yourself better uh, before you worry about doing anything else. And obviously, again, with COVID, entirely different matter. Um, with injuries, maybe even a little bit different. And we'll, we'll get into each of those a little bit further as we go along. So the first thing is to recognize that Injuries and illnesses are inevitable. You're going to have to face them at some point in your adult life. And so it's not something where you need to push back on yourself and, and be angry, sad, uh, you know, all those negative emotions that you might have about it. Those, those aren't going to serve you. They're not going to help you at all. Okay. What you need to do is be able to take a step back objectively and, and do a couple different things. So the first thing you want to do is, is a basic evaluation. Was there something in your basic behavior that caused this injury? So let's say you were out and about and you weren't paying attention and you tripped and you broke your arm, okay? Obviously, not watching what you're doing, not paying attention, you fell, okay? And by falling, you broke yourself, okay? An evaluation would be, okay, probably don't need to have that there and I probably need to be a little bit more aware of my surroundings when I do particular things. Um, you know, my wife and I own this bed and breakfast and there's the stairs coming down from the down top to the bottom. Now we're living upstairs while we do the renovation. When we move downstairs, this won't be as big of an issue, but in the morning when I get up and it's dark, but the lights are on downstairs, the slats in the wood kind of shine these really weird cross angles on the steps as you walk down and and I see that and I say okay that's a trip and fall hazard because I might see the step going a certain way when it goes a different way so I've had my wife put in uh, some some pads so it's more skid resistant and we're putting in some motion sensitive lights so if someone's walking down the stairs the lights will shine and that will negate that cross light thing so paying attention to your environment so you avoid injuries, uh, not doing certain things that cause injuries, like when I was doing deadlifts and wanted to, some, for some reason, do 500-pound deadlifts, um, you know, overdoing it, overstressing, over, you know, those are opportunities where your body's telling you through that pain, which is a signal, something's not right. Use that time and evaluate that pain, evaluate why it happened, and see if your behavior needs to change. Many times that's not the case, but there are times it is. So being aware of that is very, very important. The next thing to understand about, about all this is that 
Injuries and illness, particularly when you're over 40, is not a stop button. It's a pause button. Too many times I'll be talking to folks, almost every day actually, and someone will say, yeah, I hurt my back, I hurt my knee, I hurt my hip. Uh, in many cases, like three, five, 10 years ago, and they're not doing any activity now because it hurts. And that's just tragic. That, that just, I mean, that eats at my soul because when you stop moving, you stop living. When you stop moving, you start deteriorating and you have to move to live. So if we're not doing anything to improve our fitness, to improve our health because of an injury, basically that injury beat us and we're letting that injury beat us. So this is not a stop button. We just have to figure this out and it's just a pause button. So pause, figure it out, and let's move forward. So the first step, recover, okay? Too many times people will injure themselves and they won't go to physical therapy. They won't do their physical therapy homework. They won't do what's necessary to get past this. The doctor gave them the pain meds. The pain meds solve the problem, or at least the symptom, and they move on with their lives. If they try to lift anything or do something, it hurts, and they're back on the pain meds. They don't want to do that, so they stop, okay? So recover first. Do your physical therapy. Get your stuff done. Do your quarantine. It was two weeks that I sat in, in the bed and breakfast uh, recovering. Uh, couldn't go to the gym. Couldn't do the things I wanted to do, but I did what I could do, and I recovered. I got healthy. That's job number one, okay? Next is to look for opportunities, and by opportunities, I mean, okay, so let's say, let's say you broke your arm, okay? I have a client that, that's happened this to. Actually, two. One, one hurt his wrist, another hurt her elbow. Uh, but basically, a client gets injured, not through their lifting, not through their other stuff. They just have an accident, and there's an injury. This is a perfect opportunity for them to work on other modalities. They can work on mobility in their legs and hips. They can work on uh, strength in their legs and hips. They can, uh, if, if the jarring doesn't hurt too much, they can start working on stamina work. Um, they can do core work. There's, a, there's just so many opportunities, so many other modalities that you would normally neglect, but now that you have an injury so you can't do your prime thing, this is a great opportunity for you to spend that time doing something else that's going to improve you overall, okay? So use this time as an opportunity. If it's an illness, uh, I used that, that COVID time as an opportunity to really work on mindfulness and meditation. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking, a lot of time in my head uh, that I wouldn't normally have given myself the time to do, but because I was so fatigued that I, I couldn't really exercise the way I wanted to. I could go anywhere and do anything I wanted to do. It was a great opportunity for me to sit and reflect and do the things I needed to do for better mental health, better clarity. So look for opportunities during this recovery time. And then when you do come back stronger, have the plan, have the thing ready to go. And so we, 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 we go into this injury and we're at a certain level and too many times people will say, okay, well, I'm, I'm losing so much ground. I'm losing so much ground. The reality is you're probably not losing as much ground as you think. And if you're working on other modalities and other things, if you're taking those opportunities, you're probably a lot better off than you would have been otherwise. So take a step back. Yes, you do need to take that step back 
and then start to retrace your route. So how does this look? Okay. Uh, from a stamina perspective, let's say you did something to your ankle and, or your foot and you're no longer able to run. Okay. If you're out for a few weeks, uh, maybe you cut down your distance and speed by, I don't know, 10%. If you're out for more than two months, uh, you might have to cut back 50%. Uh, so what does that look like? Again, let's say you were running and your long runs were around, uh, you know, five miles. Uh, your medium short runs were somewhere in the two to three miles. Um, and so you go back to do your first run. After that, you're in the one to two mile range. Uh, your long runs are more in the three, three and a half range. And then you build up from there. And it'll come back pretty quickly. Muscle, muscle remembers. It, it, it can get back to its, its previous state pretty quickly uh, if you don't let too much time pass. Uh, and then from a, like a weightlifting perspective, let's say you're working and you have a particular lift and you're doing 50 pounds on this particular lift. When you hurt yourself, uh, when you come back, if you're out for a couple of weeks, a few weeks, uh, maybe you drop it down to 45. So you cut about 10% off that um, and feel, feel how that works for you. If you're out longer than that, maybe you drop it down to 25 and you do some reps, you get your sets in and you see how things are going. Uh, you'll improve pretty quickly. And as I, as I mentioned before, you have that muscle memory. So your body's going to, to come back a lot quicker than you think it would. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Real Paper. A little over two years ago, my wife and I moved to Bocas del Toro, Panama. It has opened our eyes to many things that you don't get exposed to in the United States. One is how much waste we humans create. And another is how impoverished people often live in unsanitary conditions. Real Paper is a company that's working on both of these issues. Real Paper sells toilet paper and paper towels made from 100% bamboo, which grows faster, requires less water, creates more oxygen, aka less greenhouse gases, and doesn't require replanting after harvesting. Yes, sustainable toilet paper is available for you now, conveniently shipped for free to your home. Not only is the toilet paper sustainable, all of the packaging is as well. Living on an island, we're in a constant battle with plastic. It's everywhere, and it takes decades to decompose. Real Paper is also working to tackle the sanitation problem by providing composting toilets to impoverished communities. That's another thing I was introduced to here in Bocas. You can take something that would otherwise be unsanitary and spread disease, but when you treat it properly, you can take it and make something useful. Fertilizer. Real Paper is partnered with a company to do just that. I often joke that my health and fitness vision is for me to be able to wipe my own butt at 105. If I have any say about it, it'll be real paper on the toilet roll. Go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash real, R-E-E-L, and use the discount code 40plus, that's 40-P-L-U-S, to get 25% off your first order. We must begin treating the planet better, and you can do it by going to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash real and get 25% off with the discount code 40plus. Thank you for supporting the show by checking out this wonderful company. So to wrap all this up, I think that kind of the core concepts of all this is one, recovering from injury and illness over 40 requires you to have a good mindset. 
you need to wrap your mind around the fact that you have control. You're not out of control. Yes, this happened. It was inevitable that eventually something bad was going to happen. It just does. Get past it. This was not a stop button. This was a pause. So do your evaluation. Understand why this happened. See if there's things you need to correct uh, around you, your environment, yourself, the way you approach things. Uh, slow down in some cases if you need to. But understand why the injury occurred or why the illness occurred, and let's do something about it. Okay, next. Your why and vision probably haven't changed this whole thing. And if you stop, then you're losing it. You're losing that whole thing that got you going in the first place. So go back to that mindset. Get your mind right. Get yourself back thinking about your why and your vision. And then you're, you're in a good place. Then work through your recovery. Make your recovery your first priority. Make recovery your workout. Make recovery the most important thing you do for yourself. And then look for those other opportunities that you may have otherwise neglected, like working on mobility, working on balance, working on uh, strength, or you know, uh, working on stamina. Things that you may not have paid much attention to when you were focused on other things that you can't do now because of the injury or illness. And then finally, take that step back if you need to. Don't go in this full force thinking you're just as strong as you were the day you left. You need to give your body an opportunity to regroup, retrain, and get back to where it was. So retrace your route. Don't go back in thinking you're right where you were. You are going to lose a little bit. You're not going to lose that much, but you are going to lose a little. So go into it smart and get yourself back where you deserve to be. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. That is a really timely podcast. And all of the running forums I follow, there's a lot of questions from runners in particular about coming back from COVID, but also all the time, runners are always asking how to come back to running after an injury. So these are these are constantly timely topics, but yes. in particular, they are good for today. Yeah. You know, one of the things particular with running and also with weightlifting is the, the propensity to injure ourselves. You know, uh, mm -hmm. with running, you're doing a repetitive motion, sometimes on concrete or other surfaces that are just, just beating you to death. Maybe you don't have the best shoes. Maybe you don't have the best running uh, stride. Uh, and so you're just really pounding on your body a little bit more uh, in, a, in a repetitive fashion where over time it causes some basic injuries or some basic problems. And a lot of people, because, um, you know, let's face it, running can be addictive. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> they won't stop running. You know, it's like, no, yeah. I'm going to keep running. And it just gets worse and worse and worse until they can't run. And then that's when they're in this kind of stuck position. So, yes, recovery from that. You know, with weightlifting, it tends to be letting the ego get ahead of the body ah. um, and, you know, deciding, okay, I'm going to try to do this extra weight and I'm going to get, you know, I'm gonna, this is going to be cool. And, you know, so yeah, you're, I'm throwing, I'm throwing 85, you know, 80 pound dumbbells onto my shoulders to do uh, overhead press. And I feel good about being that strong until I hear a little crack and a snap. And now my rotator cuff is completely torn off my, <laughs> my bone mm -hmm. and you know, that arm no longer functions uh, the way that it did seconds earlier. Mm -hmm. And so doing the right things to recover from that, but you're going to go through something kind of interesting uh, but it's going to use a lot of these concepts that I talked about today is when you do this hundred miles, 
50, 50, 50 miles, 50 miles. Okay, I'm sorry. We, we <laughs> yeah. were talking before we got on the phone and we got to talk about, there's also a hundred mile component. Some people there are doing a hundred miles. Is. And so we got to talk about, so mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. No, Rachel is not doing a hundred right. unless she nope. just gets a burr and she's got 24 right? hours. Who knows? I got the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, if they yeah. don't stop, you just keep running. Um, you might catch them, but um, <laughs> you know, you're going to do this long run. And yes. as a result, and you, and you don't even really know right now how, how your body is going to respond other than, you know, on the reading of the forums and your experience and running some long distance and, you know, the marathon range is that, you know, that when you come back, uh, the best way I could put it is you're going to have to go through a, a period of time that I would call post hab. Yes. And yep. so can you talk a little bit about what some of your plans are for post hab? Um, as we go into this, because it's not, I mean, you're not self-inflicting an injury here. We don't want (laughs) anyone to think that that's what you, or an illness, but in a sense, your body's going to go through some stress that's Mm -hmm. going to be very similar to that. So can you talk a little bit about what your plans are after this race? Sure. So I'll be running 50 miles and I am estimating it'll take give or take 12 hours. I, um, not that fast. I, um, plan on a lot of breaks. We have to check in at aid stations. There's, there's going to be some things to get done on this run uh, besides running. But um, what happens is, is I will probably be sucking out every possible nutrient out of my, my blood and liver and muscles. I will be just depleting my body dry of all nutrients and probably a lot of hydration. So right after the run, I will be drinking a lot of water and electrolytes as well, both uh, liquids to rehydrate. And I will start getting some food coming back in my body just to maintain normal body functions. And, um, I recognize that I will probably be walking probably more of the last few miles of the race, but I will plan on walking after the race is over as well. It's important just to keep the body moving and, and to come down to some sort of basic equilibrium after all of that motion. So I'll sit a little, I'll elevate my, elevate my feet a little and walk a little. And, um, I also have, um, uh, compression garments. I've got compression pants and I also have compression calf sleeves that I'll wear to help promote blood flow as well. Um, since I'm not staying at my home, I'm actually camping in our camper. And (laughs) so I will get back to our campsite, take a shower and do a lot of that type of post tab. So I've got the foam roller, I've got the compression, I will elevate and stay hydrated and I will keep walking. And chances are really good as even though I'm going to finish, I'm I start the race at noon on Saturday and I should finish around midnight or so Saturday night, Sunday morning. I will probably be tired, but I'll also probably be too amped to sleep. So if I am tossing and turning in bed, I will count that as elevation for a little while and then go out and walk a little bit around the campsite as well. So a lot of moving and a lot of eating and drinking is pretty much my main rehabs or post habs. Yeah. And then, and then recognizing that, um, you know, you're, we talked about being a creature of habit that you would normally mm-hmm. be getting up in the morning and going for yes. a run. <laughs> and yep. That's, that's not going to be Rachel's MO for a few weeks, at least. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to have to come in and, and, and kind of refresh, let your, let your body actually recover mm-hmm. from the stressors that it's gone through and then start a training program that 
that picks up somewhere well below the mileage that you would normally be running. Oh, absolutely. I'm anticipating that I will take at first one full week off of all running altogether. That's an easy no brainer. Um, but I will be walking and I will take dogs on walks. I will walk around my neighborhood by myself and, and just keep the legs moving and see how the muscles are responding. You know, if I was 20 years younger, I might be rebounding a lot faster, in which case I wouldn't mind going for a light jog, you know, for a mile here or there. But I, for myself, I, as I said, I'm approaching 50, uh, rehab and post-hab takes a little bit longer. Uh, recovery just takes longer. And so I'll have, um, hot baths and cold baths and walking and, and I'll, I'll probably start a running regimen, maybe a week to 10 days after this race. And when I do start, it won't be going back out where I was before. I'll probably do a walk run type interval, maybe run for a minute, walk for a minute or a couple minutes and, and just see how my legs feel. Yeah. If, if you haven't run before, then you might not recognize that there's a natural spring to your leg as you kind of are walking or running. And, mm -hmm. uh, when you do something like this, like the 50, which I, I did before, um, and I did it, I did it like an optimal situation. It was a pine forest, a horse trail through a pine forest. So it was about as soft a, a, a nice. place you could actually run on, uh, with, you know, so the, the damage to my legs from, you know, hard or hitting, you know, hitting was not the problem. It was just the total number of miles, but mm -hmm. it was about a month for me from that 50, where I actually felt like my legs had recovered their mm -hmm. spring, you know, had recovered to a point where they were, where they were, um, for that whole month, all I did was walking and in the gym, upper body exercise, you know, Perfect. Uh, resistance training. So, you know, I was, I was bench pressing and pull-ups and, you know, rows and things like that. Nothing for the legs, just let the legs recover, do some walking, mm -hmm. keep the blood flow to them. So they're repairing and doing what they need to making sure and get plenty of protein and the mm -hmm. other things that my body needs for that repair. Um, you know, so for me, it was, it was still, I was kind of astounded because I was 29 and it, it literally took me a month Mm -hmm. to really feel like I was ready to run again. Uh, but, you know, and I think I've told this story after, right after I finished the race, I, I pulled a, a Forrest Gump and said, I'm tired. I'm going home. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't run anything longer than a 10 K since then. Mm -hmm. uh, and I even did that one under protest because it was a friend. <laughs> it was a friend. She calls me up and says, my niece was one is running this 10 K tomorrow. And, Aww. you know, we told her we would go with her, but she doesn't want to walk. She wants to actually run it. And you're the only person I know that can run that far. And I'm like, Aww. okay. Okay. So I ran that 10 K with this girl and I thought the girl was going to burn out because she just took off sprinting. I'm like, okay. Oh, gosh. It's like, you can't keep sprinting like this and think you're going to do a 10 K. And she proved me wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I broke my PR on that 10 K, but, uh, <laughs> girl wow. was flying. So awesome. definitely, definitely a young athlete, uh, in the making there. But, uh, cause I think she was like nine and I was like, oh okay. my gosh. And she just took off. I'm like, okay, look, you know, got to pay your no, this yeah, girl no. just <laughs> <laughs> all out. She yeah, turned out. on the burners and she kept doing it. So that was what was surprising to me. Is like her, yeah, I was like, okay, you got something special here. But, um, for sure, I that was the only one I ran. And like I said, I did it under protest and for a really dear friend at the time. So I was like, okay, I'll do this. But, uh, and I didn't <laughs> think I was going to have to sprint it myself, but it, I, I did. Um, but you know, it's, it's just this we kind of go through all of this and recognizing that, you know, injuries and illness, they're, they're going to happen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have, you have a little bit of 
knowledge, a little bit of opportunity. Like when I hurt my shoulder, I knew, okay, I, I'm still, and I, this is again, probably, you know, too much ego, but it is what it is. <laughs> uh, ego hurt me. And then ego kept me from deciding when I was going to do my surgery straight away. I said, well, I've got this Spartan coming up and I thought my brother was going to be doing it with me. So I was like, I can't cancel on him. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to do this thing. So I was, I had it in my mind. I was going to do it. And then I would go get my surgery. And so I, I did that. I also jumped out of an airplane, um, for Tammy, she wanted to do that. So as part of that whole weekend was I went up there and did, did a Spartan. And then I jumped out of an airplane the next day, um, all with a torn rotator cuff. And, and so I knew I was going to get the surgery, but I, I arranged for uh, three weeks where I was not going to be traveling for work. So I knew, okay, every day I can go in when I, if I need to, I can go in and get my uh, physical therapy because the doctor was telling me, you know, he didn't know what the physical therapist was going to need to do, but it was Mm -hmm. going to be a few times a week for about six to eight weeks, maybe up to 12, uh, depending on how I, how I did. And Mm -hmm. so I kept training. I kept doing stuff physically, you know, anything that didn't hurt my shoulder, I kept doing. Mm -hmm. And then I scheduled my surgery and I went in for the surgery and came out and I went into rehab, went to the physical therapist and he's like, your range of motion is phenomenal. And, and I, he said, what did, what did you do? Um, because he said, most people would come in, you know, from adults, not, he said, I deal with athletes. He said, I see athletes. They come in like this. He says, but you're not an athlete like that. You know, not a college athlete like that. He says, what are you doing? I said, well, I just kept training. They said, if it didn't hurt, I kept doing it. He's like, well, mm-hmm. most people, yeah. He said, most people would have put their arm in a sling and stayed in a sling until they got their surgery. Then they'd have finished their surgery and they'd waited for a few weeks. And I was like, no, I got my, th- I got my surgery on a Thursday and Monday morning, Monday morning, I was in therapy. Um, so, you know, if you, if you can plan it, like you're planning your, your, your post tab on your run, you know, the timing of your run, you know, when you're going to about when you're going to finish even, and you've got Mm -hmm. a plan. And so if it's an injury and you're going to go in for surgery, talk to your doctor, talk to you, you know, if you can, a physical therapist, know what the plan is for your recovery. So you can hit it running. There's things you need to be doing before Mm -hmm. the surgery do them, you know, and, yeah. and do them, do it all, do your homework. <laughs> when, a, when the physical therapist says, do this three times a day, do it, uh, yeah. just do it. Uh, yes, it's, it's inconvenient to take this and put it in cold water and then pull it out and put it in hot water and pull it out, put it in cold water. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. Uh, but it helps. It, it definitely it makes does. things better. Um, and so making sure that you do your homework, set yourself up and, you know, illness and th- injuries are going to happen to us. And, we don't necessarily have a plan that we didn't plan for it. It just happens. And then we have to deal with it. But if you can control certain things about it, you'll recover a lot faster uh, and be a lot stronger for it. That's let me just highlight that right there, Alan, because I want to point out that you'll be a lot stronger for it. I mean, just because you're injured doesn't mean you're out and you could have the best comeback you've ever seen in whatever sport that you do. I'm sure your shoulder feels great now when you lift. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it is, it's funny because, uh, you know, I, in talking to the orthopedic surgeon, he said, you know, every, he said, they did a a study. He said, every cadaver, they cut up in these cadavers who were in their (laughs) nineties. Uh People who died in their nineties. And so they went through and they were looking at them and they saw every single one of them had a torn torn rotator cuff. Some of them Mm -hmm. had had surgery for it and others had not, but Mm -hmm. every single one of them had an impingement and had a problem with their shoulder, the rotator cuff. 
Hmm. And, and so he said, it's inevitable for most of us, we're going to have that problem. And mm-hmm. if you're someone who lifts and does a lot with your upper body, uh, the potential is even higher because there's just more wear and tear. He's like with mine, uh, I had a, an impingement, which is basically where the bone is pressing down on the muscle and over time, it just wears it down. And he said, so the muscle, when he got in there was like paper thin and it just tore right off the bone, you know, it was oh, just snap, it was gone. And, and, and so I was talking to him, I said, you know, obviously we're not going to spend the money to do an x-ray and an MRI on the other shoulder. And he said, yeah, probably, uh, <laughs> you probably do have an impingement over there. Uh, it probably is as bad. Um, this one just broke first. Mm-hmm. And so what do I, what do I don't do right now? I, I don't, lift 80 pound dumbbells up to my shoulders to press over my head because I recognize the heaviest thing I'm ever going to have to press over my head is a carton of Christmas uh, decorations that I'm going to have to put on the top shelf in our storage. Mm -hmm. Other than that, there's nothing heavier. There's definitely nothing 160 pounds that I need (laughs) to put over my head uh, for any reason whatsoever. And if I did, I'd call somebody's to come help me. Sure. Um, so, you know, recognizing that, uh, you know, ego can get you broke. Sure. And yeah. recognizing those limitations that we have, you know, part of that self-awareness is I know that I probably have a, an impingement on my left shoulder. Mm-hmm. So I'm not doing things that I know would adversely affect that, but I'm doing what I need to do to be functionally fit. Perfect. You know, fit to be the best Alan I can be. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be able to deadlift a certain amount of weight or press a certain amount of weight over my head. It just means when it's time to get the Christmas lights down, I can do that. And when it's time to put them back, I can do that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, it's just the point is that you know what your, your potential weakness could be and you just need to work around it. And you're doing just that. That sounds perfect. Yeah. So good luck with your run. Thank you. Good luck with your post tab. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I think maybe maybe the next time we talk to you, I, I think we're going to be talking to you relatively soon after your your post tab. Maybe about a week after you finish your run, maybe a little over yep. a week. Before, you know, when you finish your run, or so and so at yeah. that point, uh, you should have some pretty interesting stories to share. With you. So I'm looking <laughs> I hope forward to, to that. have. Yeah, <laughs> hope to have some good tales to tell. <laughs> that's that's how you get them. You do something mm-hmm. you've never done. You do something that. A, the vast majority of people who have never done. Mm-hmm. And now you've got a story. Now you've got a life. Yeah. Now you've done something special. And so I always encourage people, if you don't have a big audacious goal of just something exciting that you wake up in the morning and know, this is why I'm running. This is why I'm lifting. This is why I'm living. I mm-hmm. want to do this thing. And it can be a vacation. It can be a run. It can be a combo. Camp yeah. out, run. Right. Uh, <laughs> like you're My doing. favorite. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, just, just recognize that uh, you're going to have a lot of fun. You're yeah. going to have a good bit of pain. A little bit. You're going to have some challenges. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're going to have the pride of knowing that you took 100% of you out on those Indiana roads and mm-hmm. uh, left it all there. It'll be great. Yep. I'll be up in Northern Michigan, actually. Oh, I thought it was Indiana. I don't know why I thought you were going to Indiana. Nope. Heading North. Okay. North. Okay. Yep. Looking forward to a new adventure. That's for sure. All right. Well, we'll talk to you then. Thanks. Bye. Next time on the 40 plus fitness podcast, we discuss the 10 weight loss myths for people over 40. Until then have a happy and healthy week.